Welcome to the episode. It's your boy, Danny Nassi. I'm Danny Nassi, New York's relentless top broker, fighting to get you the best deals in New York City. And speaking of relentless, resilient fighters, I have someone incredibly special here with me today. And I have to be honest with you guys, Lee, this is probably the biggest interview I've been most excited about throughout the history of the Danny Nassi podcast, because today I'm going to get to interview one of my idols, someone that I have such a great deal of respect and admiration for and somebody I 150% want to be like in this business. There's no question. There's no doubt about it. I haven't had the opportunity to get to know her as well as I'd like to get to know her. But anytime we have any kind of an event or anytime we have the opportunity to show property with one another, I really get excited and I try to take advantage of that time. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to one of the biggest, baddest brokers, not only at Brown Harris Stevens, but in Manhattan. She's very well known. She's got an incredible brand, an incredible reputation that follows her, and she's one of the most lovely people I know. Lisa Littman, welcome to the Danny Nassie Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you, and thank you so much, and I'm so grateful that you made so much time uh, in your day to be here, and let's just get started. Where'd you grow up? I grew up outside of New Haven, Connecticut. Okay, and where'd you go to school? Um, so I went to uh, the University of Pennsylvania for college, and I moved to New York, and I worked for a year, and then I went to Cardozo Law School. No kidding. Yeah. All right, so that's almost in the neighborhood that I live in. I used to live on 11th between Broadway and University. So okay, yeah. That's yeah. your old hood. Then. That's my old hood. Right? Okay. I lived down on I lived on 14th Street for the three years I was in law school, in the Victoria, 7 East 14th Street, still yeah. there. Yeah, that's that co-op. Yeah, yeah. Right by Union Square. Correct. Speaking of 14th Street, crazy traffic today. Yeah, so I was really late today because I guess the city decided to close 14th Street off to cars to make it a residential greenway. But I'm not really sure what that's going to do for the rest of Manhattan. I'm, I, I just can't imagine that that's a smart thing to do, a double-wide street. It's insane. I agree with you. So did you practice law at any point in your life? I did. I practiced for five years. Um, when I graduated from law school, I uh, did civil litigation, and I actually really liked it. And what happened was is when I had my oldest son, Max, who just started in, this, in our business, um, when he was born, I decided I wanted to try to do it part-time. So I did it part-time, and it was sort of frustrating because I was doing less interesting work than I had been doing before. So I stopped working, and I had my next child, my middle child, who's 22, and um, I didn't work for about two months after he was born, but I had then, at that point, not been working for a couple of years, and I, it was not good for me being at home. So I decided to try being a real estate broker. I was curious about it. I had just bought my first apartment with my now ex-husband, and I was curious about the process. So I was walking up Broadway one day, and I went into the Corcoran office that used to be next to Zabar's, and I said to whomever was there, I am a lawyer, and I want to do this part-time. And they said, you're hired. And um, here I am, 22 years later, never having done a part-time. You know, it's crazy. The other day I was surfing through Instagram and I came across one of your stories and you were on platform and you were sharing the story about uh, how you were staying at the office. You didn't have much business. You took a walk in and these people said to you that they wanted to buy something, but they weren't serious and they didn't want to waste your time. And you begged them to waste your time, you know, so you could build your business. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I thought that was so authentic and so real. And I think most people that are looking from the outside, looking in, don't realize that people like you, people like me really, we really had to 
suffer for a little while. You really have to take whatever you can. You really have to be hungry and you really have to push yourself every single day. And I don't think this business is easy for anyone. So can you talk about yeah. that a little? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, what's happened since we've started, I'm not sure exactly when you started, but, you know, when I started 22 years ago, the business was very different. There was, you know, we still called the web the World Wide Web. We didn't use the web. Many, many brokers didn't even have cell phones. I remember when I was at Corcoran, I was the first person at Corcoran to get a BlackBerry. At, until that point, it had really just been an investment banking industry tool. So things moved much slower. Um, things were much more personal. It was a lot more about meeting people, being face-to-face -face with people. There were f very few teams in real estate. People were, worked as individuals. So when I started, I didn't even think of joining a team. I didn't assume I'd be working on big deals. I assumed I'd be really happy just to get a deal. Um, so what I did was what they called at Corcoran at the time floor duty. Um, I think at Brown-Harris we call it uptime. Basically, Somebody comes in, it's kind of like cold calling. Somebody comes in, they say that they want to buy or sell or rent. You take them on as a customer. So my first two customers were people I got from sitting on a Saturday and a Sunday, sitting there for hours, waiting for someone to come in. One was a one-bedroom purchase on the Upper West Side. One was a rental. Um, and then I was at a cocktail party one night and this couple was introduced to me and they said, uh, you know, oh, you're a real estate broker. We sometimes thought we would buy an apartment in the city, but we're not really sure. I said, well, I'd love to help you. And they said, like you told me, like you um, repeated that, you know, they weren't sure. They didn't want to waste my time. And I, I, as you said, I begged them to, I told them to waste my time. And they ended up buying an apartment for $1.6 million, which you know, is a lot of money, but back in um, 1997, it was a real boatload of money. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from there, I grew my business. I mean, slowly but surely, but, you know, things are very different now. You know, I'm, I'm a really, I'm really good at a board package because I think that a lot of times people come into the business now, they join a team, they're, they don't do board packages. There's somebody else on the team who just does board packages. I see a lot of top brokers who pay people to do board packages for them. And I don't really understand that because, you know, it's a little like my dad taught me to drive on a stick shift. I kind of think that if you really want to know how to be a broker, you need to know how to do everything. You know how to, you need to know how to run searches. You need to ha know how to do board packages. You need to know how to stage. Um, you need to know how to write your own copy for your listings. And if you can't do all of those elements, um, I think it really it 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 keeps you from functioning as to be as great a broker as you want to be. When did you realize you were passionate about the business? I guess I realized it that as I started getting busy, I didn't resent working on weekends. I didn't resent working at night. Um, I mean, you know, you've got kids. You know, one of the good things about this business is that you can do it sort of on your own time and you, to a certain degree, make your own schedule. Um, one of the bad things about this business is that you can work all the time if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I was a mother of two little kids, and then I was a single mother of two little kids. Um, I realized I was passionate when I didn't resent the fact that after putting my boys to bed, I was on the phone, on the computer running searches, that I didn't resent the fact that I was working on Saturdays and Sundays. And in exchange, I was able to go to a soccer game. 
or pick them up from school and take them for pizza or all of those things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I had had, you know, a typical lawyer job where I was in the office from seven to seven, Monday through Friday. I feel like you're really like just super humble. Like in your mind, was there ever a point that you'd ever think of yourself as being as big as you are right now? Because when I look at you, you know, I'd rather be sitting here with Lisa Littman talking shop than, you know, have Lenny Kravitz sitting across from me that could tell me, you know, all the stories that he could tell me of being on the road. You know, I, I can really appreciate everything that you're sharing because I know it's not an easy road. And obviously, you know, having been divorced and then being with the kids alone and then being remarried again, I just wonder, like, how are you able to balance, keep focused, give 100% of yourself to your customers and your clients? Because I know you're service driven and that's why you have a good reputation and still be able to spend time with the family and you know have success on both sides of the coin if that's in fact yeah. what happened so that's really sweet of you um you know it's a little strange to me if i really think about being as successful as i've been because um you know i I grew up in a house where how much money you had was really not one of the things that we, we never talked about it. Um, and it wasn't considered the be all and end all. My father was a doctor. He's retired now. He's still living. But he was a doctor in a blue collar town and he loved his patients and he loved his job. He had a lot of satisfaction and a lot of respect from his job. Um, and my mom was a really great stay at home mother. And I think she's sad now that she never had a career. Um, but on the other hand, I, you know, she was always available to my sister and I. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is that I grew up in a, in a solid house where really the most important things were always em emphasized, which was hard work and taking care of other people and knowing that, you know, what you looked like or how much money you had was not the most important thing. And what was the most important thing was how you treated other people and that you could go to bed at night and feel proud about what you had done that day. And um, I guess that is what's kept me humble because, I mean, you know as well as I do, we see a lot of extremely wealthy people in our business. I mean, you know, I have an expression that every time somebody wants to tell me about how much money they have, I always want to say, well, get in line because there's always somebody richer. Um, but you also see that it doesn't necessarily make people happier. And the people I know who are happiest are people who like what they do, um, feel proud of what they do and surround themselves with their family or their friends and, you know, people that appreciate them and people who give back to the world. Um, and so I guess how I've, how I've kept myself humble and sort of grounded and focused is doing all those things. My kids are really important to me. Um, I feel very blessed. I was able to find um, another man to fall in love with and he has been a great husband and a great father and i was blessed to have another child speaking of him he hijacked your instagram the other day and he dm'd me saying that it was him oh my god yeah that's jude and he was like that's hey jude. by the way i'm lisa's husband love your energy we just celebrated lisa's birthday with best just heard my first <laughs> podcast love your energy i think you're gonna have a great interview with lisa and i was thinking to myself oh my god imagine i like was in her dm and i was telling her how much i loved her and how beautiful and sexy she was what would he do if he went into her dm and saw that no i'm just kidding right. well he's a funny one and you know what you should meet him um you'll love him i'd I, love to like i said i feel lucky I, I met a great guy is my best friend but he's also just he has the same attitude on life as I do is that you know it's all about what you give what is what you get back and we try to surround ourselves with you know good people yeah. and I think when you do that you do well at your job 
Um, and you probably know this too. I think part of being really good at our job is really caring about how our clients feel when our job is done. Mm -hmm. And I think too many people in business focus so much about how much they're going to get paid at the end of the deal. And they lose sight of all of the stuff around all the things that happen before, in between, and in the end. And if you really stay focused on doing your best and looking out for your client who's hired you, whether it's your buyer or seller, um, I think you, you'll end up in the long run doing a great job. I have to agree with you. And um, I definitely think I'm cut from that cloth. And unfortunately, there's been times in my life where I felt like I was stupid for being that way. Like, I felt like, you know what? You're too nice of a guy. People take advantage of that. I think you need to stop doing that. You have to have thicker skin. You have to be tougher with certain people. I agree with everything you just said. And I remember when I was a kid and I used to work in my father's antique shop, he used to tell me that I was too honest for business. And at the time I was crushed. But today it's that very, like that quality that makes me who I feel what I am to my clients. And I just think it's really amazing. And I wish that I had met you sooner in my life because when I was getting into this business, I wish I had someone as honest, ethical, legitimate, uh, hardworking, dedicated, and as humble as you to learn from. And I would have been banging that on the door begging you to give me an opportunity to work with you so I could just learn from you and uh, and go about my life that way. I wish I had that opportunity, but even better, I have it now. Well, um, I think you I think you touched on something really important. You know, people sometimes think that to go into sales or business that you, you sort of have to be sharky. Um, and I actually think it's the contrary. I think that I think people are yearning for honesty and yearning for people to take care of them, even when it's doing business for them. And, you know, so you grew up with a dad who pointed that out to you. You know, I grew up in a house where I only saw my parents behave in the most honest and ethical way. Um, you know, if somebody came into my parents' house and this did happen and say, you know, can I sell you this great oven? It'll be much better than the oven you had before. My father would turn to my mother and say, well, that guy looks like he could use the sale. So let's buy it for from him. Um, <laughs> so I That's also, sweet. I, um, you know, I also was worried when I went into this that I probably that I was too honest. And there have been times in my career that yeah. I wonder if I'm too honest for the job. But you know, I, I think one of the only good things about getting old, and I just turned 55, which I realize is not so old, but in our business, it's on the older side already. I don't think so. Um, is that you realize you have to be comfortable with who you are, especially the good parts about you. Mm -hmm. And if you are an honest, ethical person, that's never going to be bad. And there's always going to be plenty of people in business who want that and need that from their broker. I agree with you. I mean, I've lost business being honest, but I'd rather lose business being honest than gain business being dishonest. And I like to be able to sleep at night. I swear uh, to God, 100%, that's the most important thing 100%. to me. I got really lucky and blessed because I married someone that I've been in love with for 17 years that I'm forever attracted to. I have two little girls, and I think anything that came in over that for me has been icing on the cake. Honestly, I don't need to be a multimillionaire, but I do want to have enough where we don't have to worry. That's like my ultimate goal in life. And it's funny, Lee, when one of the first times I met Lisa, I don't know if you remember this, I was representing this um, this townhouse on Hubert Street. I remember down and in I, Tribeca, I yeah. I hadn't met her yet. I've known of her, but I didn't meet her yet. And she comes out of the car and she comes into the house. She's on the phone and she was jamming up some attorney over the phone. I mean, she was like laying into him and I loved 
every <laughs> single minute of what I was listening to. And so she gets off the phone. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I was having an intense conversation. I was like, no, sounds like the guy deserved it. And that's like kind of our first initial meeting one another. And then from then on, anytime I saw her, I made sure I, you know, got yeah, to well, hang it was out love at first her. sight for me, too. So. It was. It really it was. was. I knew you were a good guy. I could tell from your smile and the way you handled the whole thing. Thank so. you. And I was telling Lee before you came here, one of the biggest reasons I ended up at Brown Harris Stevens, well, the reason is you. And it was funny. I was at this gala event a little while back. I bumped into her. I always love bumping into her. And she said, you need to come take a look at Brown Harris Stevens. You should meet with Besson Hall. I said, thank you, but no thank you. I'm really rough around the edges. Speaking of the honesty thing, I'm always yeah. myself, no matter where I go. Right. And by the way, I'm really controlling myself. She doesn't like when I curse, so I'm really trying to wheel <laughs> it okay, in right it's now. Okay. I've been re- I've been as appropriate as I can be. But um, you know, I said thank you, but no thank you. And I've always been like starstruck every time I see her. I'm like, oh my god, I'm seeing Lisa Littman here. So she's like, you should meet with them. And I was like, no, I'm like a bull in a china shop. No way, I'm not gonna do it. Then I met Bess that night. I met Hall that night. We're all drinking, getting tanked, having a good time. I was like kissing up on Hall's neck, sniffing them. We we're going crazy. It was a good time. So anyway, the next day I'm literally outside. You called me. You called my phone. Uh-huh. I looked at my phone and I'm like, holy shit, Lisa Littman's calling me. By the way, the night before, you looked at me dead in my eyes. And you said to me, Danny, you come to BHS, your business is going to double. Any other person, I've heard this before, any other person that said that to me, I would have been like, go fuck yourself, get the fuck away from me. When you said it to me, it tormented me. And then the next day when she called me, she said to me, did you make an appointment to go see Bess and Hall? I said, no, thank you, but no, thank you. And then she jammed me up on the phone. She's like, you listen here. You need to shut up. You need to listen to me and just go meet with them. You said it just like that. And I swear to God, I got off the phone after you said that and I called them and I made an appointment and I met with them. And that's when the whole courtship started. But she is the reason. And by the way, my business, since I have joined BHS since last year, has doubled. I'm not surprised. And what you said was true. Mm-hmm. And I will forever be thankful and grateful that you helped me change the quality of my life. And I'm not talking monetarily. I'm talking I'm a happier person. I'm happier with my family. I'm happier with my work. I'm happy at BHS because to me, and maybe it's because I'm so new there, it feels like a family to me. And it has that boutique, loving, caring feeling. And I think the fact that we bring quality over quantity says so much about who we are as a group and as a culture and that's what gets me high about where i am now and that's because of you so thank you for that well i'm very glad and i still feel that way i've been there for 14 years and i still feel like it's a family um you know to me like the cfo of our company alan kersner do you know that he knows the name of every single broker at halstead and brown harris stevens i don't and that's an amazing thing i mean for a guy who I guess he oversees 700 people, 800 people, and all the, you know, he oversees exactly how much money comes in, how much money goes out. He knows every single dime, but he also knows everybody's name. And I think that that's a testament a, a lot to how the company sees itself and how much they value their brokers. And I would, you know, to me, I think that's why you end up being so much more successful because. They don't just see you as a number. They don't just see them, you as an investment in the company. They see you as like a building block in the company and a really important person. And, you know, we all have better years and worse years. I've never 
heard of anybody being being made to feel badly about having a less good year at Brown Harris. And that's a big deal. You know, you made a point earlier about success not being, you know, how much money you make, not how you dress, not how you look, but really feeling good and feeling mm-hmm. happy and feeling mm-hmm. proud of yourself at the end of every day. You mentioned that earlier. Do you think that's what keeps you, Brown Harris Stevens? Because you have all these companies every day, especially, I can only imagine, you know, at your level, you have, you know, people like Compass and Corcoran and Element and all these people poaching you, saying, Lisa Littman, we're gonna promise you the world. Why don't you come over to us? A hundred percent. Do you think that's what stops you from going? Because you're just happy and proud of who you are and where you are, that there's not a number that they can offer you for you to say, hey, thank you, Brown Harris Stevens, been a great ride, but I'm out of here. A thousand percent. I mean, you know, there's that, there's that expression, it's the devil you know versus the, the devil you don't know. And I don't really want to use that expression here because there's no devil in working at Brown Harris Stevens. But the truth is, is that you can always get more. And if you jump ship and you go to a new company, for sure, the first year or two, they give you something more. But what difference does it make if you get a, if you get some more money for a year or two, if you're not as happy where you are and on a daily basis, you don't feel comfortable and supported and all of the things that I really do feel like at Brown Harris Stevens. I love going to our Christmas party. I love going to any event sponsored by the by the company. I look forward to coming into my office. I look forward to talking to my manager. I love seeing Beston Hall. I consider them friends. Um, and how many people can say that about their job? Not many, because I talk to people every single day and not many feel the way you feel or the way I feel. And I think one of the big reasons I wanted to come over is because I wanted to be around people who are better than me, smarter than me, stronger than me. I wanted to be around Lisa Littman's, Mike Lubin's. I haven't had the chance to meet Berger yet, or I, I met Paula, uh, but I wanted to be around people that I can learn from and people that I can get, so. I mean, I think one of the really great things too, which is what you want in a job, is that you can always learn from other people. And one of my favorite things is to hang around really good brokers, and we have a lot of them. And you mentioned Paula and John, and they're obviously two big superstars in our company, and they have been forever. Um, anytime that I've ever done a deal with one of them or I've showed with one of them, I learned something from them. And that's such a great feeling, too, to know that you do your job well, but there's still so much that you can learn. Um, and when you surround yourself with, you know, smart, um, hardworking people with good values, you can always pick up something from the people around you. Listen, I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I'm sitting here and I'm just observing and I see so much like focus in your eye, so much intensity when you speak. Like I just, I can feel it literally from across. And I wish that my sincerity could come across, you know, my listeners here of how much I admire you and how much I look up to you. I didn't even tell anyone what's going on in here. We got Lee to the right. He's wearing his nasty team hat. He's got red headphones on. He's taking a picture of Lisa and I right now. And I'm looking at Lisa. She's got this beautiful striped sweater on, uh, pearls on her neck. Some on. She's got a pearl bracelet, gold bracelets, black pants, eyeglasses. She looks elegant and lovely and sophisticated because she is. And I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. You know, one question, I'm going to get to my final question, but before I get to my final question, what are some like nuggets of golden information you feel like you can give to people that are in our industry or that are independent contractors, entrepreneurs that want to be successful, that want to be able to generate business, uh, get new customers? Like what kind of, um, what kind of wealth of knowledge can you share with those people? 
Well, I think that in any job, but especially when you're um, an independent contractor, an entrepreneur, you have to get yourself out there. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to an event and bringing your business cards. It means you have to get yourself out there and get involved. I often tell this, this story that I got a lot of my clients um, for years from a gym that I went to. I went to this the same gym almost every day at the same time in the morning. And they didn't become my clients the first year. I'm not even sure if they did the second year. But by the third and fourth year, I had made friendships um, with a lot of people or just acquaintances, the same women that I saw in the locker room, the same guys that I saw on the treadmill. And I got a lot of business that way. Um, were you and, striking up conversations with them, or were you letting conversations kind of organically happen? Because some people are scared to come off too salespeople And I tell my team all the time, just be yourself. Just make a friend. Right. Who gives a shit? Don't, they don't need to know what you're doing. I'm, I'm a big believer in the organic process. So that's exactly right. Be yourself. In the morning, hey, how are you doing? Like, I like your dress that you're wearing today. What's the weather like? You hear them on the phone with the pediatrician. Oh, is your kid not feeling good? Like... You have those conversations over the course of time with people and you begin to become friendly with them and there's an organic process where they start to trust you. And then usually what would happen is at some point they'd say, oh, you're a broker, aren't you? By the way, in the next couple of years, my husband and I are going to be looking for an apartment. And it usually happens this that way. I mean, you know, I have a great story about how I got a great client, but more importantly, one of my closest friends. So probably two Maybe two years into being in this same in this gym in in a permanent locker room, basically I had a locker, so you were at the same locker every morning, and you would change. And you know, if you go at the same time, you see the same group of women. So one day I'm in the locker room and I'm completely undressed when I get a call, and I'm on the phone and I'm doing a deal naked. And um, <laughs> when I hang up the phone, this woman comes over to me and I'm. By still the way, naked. that is so hot. Okay, now I'm going to listen. And she comes over to me and she says, hi, um, I heard you on the phone and I think you're a real estate broker and I'm looking for a big apartment and no one's been able to find me a big apartment. And if you find me a big apartment, I'll be your best friend and I'll be forever grateful and I'll be your best friend and I make a really good best friend. And I just was like, oh, okay, well, let's work on the apartment thing first. So P.S., I did find her a big apartment. And most, most importantly, she became one of my very closest friends, and she's been a sister to me, like a sister to me, for over 20 years. Um, so it's a good story only because, you know, if you're just who you are, and, you know, you started by asking me, how do you get business? Be who you are. But, you know, get involved in things you like to do. Like, I like to work out in the morning. That's, like, how I like to start my day. So I was there being myself, and I became friendly with people, and those people became clients eventually. Um, maybe you like to go to a library. Maybe you like to go to the opera. Maybe you like to go to a certain museum. Um, maybe you like to run in the park. You're going to do it almost the same time every day. You meet people organically, um, and I think that the most important message to somebody who's trying to grow their business is you have to get out there. If you sit at home and you're watching television or you're on your electronic device, you're not going to meet people. You have to be out there. In the end, it's you know we're all very focused on social media and everything, but in the end, this is very much a face-to-face -face job. And the way to get good business is you really need to meet people. And I'll just say the last thing about that is that I think too many people in the younger generation, not you and me so much, think they can do everything by email and by computer or text. And a friend of mine taught me something a long time ago. He had been in a, in a 
he had been an entrepreneur sort of for a long time. He told me, if you're going to have an an important conversation with a seller or a buyer about their finances, about lowering a price, about something like that, go and meet with them. Be face-to-face. And I think that we sometimes forget how important face-to-face is. If I want to have an important conversation with one of the owners or something really that I want to make sure the person is focused on, get in front of them and have a conversation with them. First of all, it works much better. And second of all, the person on the other side will appreciate the fact that you've taken time to go and meet with them. That's incredible advice. You know, uh, the whole reason why I put this whole thing together uh, is because I wanted to meet with people that have been successful. Everyone has their own story. Everyone had their own struggle. And I think there's so many people out there that are just trying to monetize on people who are looking for information Mm -hmm. instead of really trying to help them. So the whole purpose was to get all these people that have been successful, get them into the studio, get them sharing their story and doing it for free. So people can get out there, take notes of what you're saying, copious notes, hopefully, and go out there and take action and just duplicate what you're saying. And I just, I just thought that was such an incredible piece of advice what you just shared i'm going to ask you one last question because i know you have to get out of here it's how i end all my podcasts a little bit morbid but we're going to say it anyway you're on your deathbed you're dying your husband's there you have your kids there you have your grandchildren there what piece of advice can you give to your family now uh for them like what's the most important thing you could ever share with them what big piece of advice could you give your children, your grandchildren to take with them on your way out to help them like feel happiness or have success, whatever it is that you want to give to them? What would that piece of advice be for them? Every day of your life, be the best person you possibly can. And that means being kind to the people around you while being kind to yourself. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. And just a quick recap again, we're here with Lisa Littman, one of the best, baddest top brokers in all of Manhattan. You know, she went to school, she went to Penn, she studied law, she came out, she practiced law, she started having kids, and at some point, she became single with kids. She started doing real estate, she started building a business out of it, she worked very hard, she stayed dedicated. She stayed honest, ethical, legitimate. She never did anything that was questionable. And she made sure that every day she went home, she was proud of what she did. And she came from a family that felt the exact same way. I want to thank Lisa so much for coming here and making time. Her phone is blowing up in front of me. I I have anxiety (laughs) just looking at her right now. And I know she's got to get out of here. It's just blowing up. It just keeps on popping up. But I just, again, I want to thank you so much. I think this is going to mean a lot to a lot of different people. And it means a lot to me. And I want to thank my man, Lee, over here at Jambox Entertainment Studios. It's the only place I call home. So if you want to get out there and you want to do a podcast or you want to do a voiceover, anything that has to do with a recording studio, I want you to come to 352 7th Avenue. See my man. Lee. He's been here for 20 years. It's our responsibility to help the people in our community. I know I'm helping him and his business and his family by being here. And I know he's helping my business and my family by allowing me to record my podcast here. We need to help our community. So make sure you reach out to him. He's the OG of all OGs. And it's the only place I call home. I want to thank you guys so much. Again, I'm Danny Nassi, New York's relentless top broker fighting to get you the best deals in New York City. And I'll see you in the next episode. (laughs) 